0: Hello, and welcome to Yes To You, the podcast from Lifeways. Lifeways is the UK's largest team of support professionals who provide support to adults in the community. In this episode, you'll be learning about personalisation and co-production, what these mean, and how personalisation and co-production benefit people we support. I'm Paul Crompton, your podcast host here, and I'm speaking to Jodie Allen-Cawley. Jody is the Lead Quality Manager at Lifeways, and she's got over 30 years of experience of helping to ensure that people receive fantastic, high quality support that doesn't only reach regulatory standards, but exceeds it. Jody, welcome to the Yes To You podcast.
1: Thanks, Paul. It's really great to be here.
0: Great. Let's get started. Could you briefly sum up what, what you and the team that you lead does?
1: Yes, yeah, so obviously, you know, we support the organisation and, of course, our operational colleagues in areas such as driving regulatory and organisational compliance, obviously our quality monitoring and governance. But our overarching purpose is really simple, and that's to ensure that every person we support receives high-quality person-centred care and support. And that's really why personal, personalisation is one of our key drivers.
0: Right, so let's zoom in a little bit on personalization how would you describe personalization in just, in just really simple terms
1: okay um it's an approach really that uses the principles of choice control and inclusion but it focuses on putting the person in the very center of their care and support but in a way that makes sense to them so really you know they can realize their full potential and live great lives
0: now let's talk about co-production When I think about co-production in the context of Lifeways, I always think of Josie, who we support. Uh, Josie lives in Morecambe, uh, for our listeners, on the Lancashire coast. Uh, She's in her 20s and she lives in a Lifeways supported living service. Um, And and Josie defines co-production like this. She says, when I get support, it's a working together and helping each other thing. What do you think of Josie's own definition of co-production?
1: Oh, she's absolutely on. She's really has summed up perfectly that co-production, particularly for LifeWays, is about the relationship between us as an organisation and, of course, the people we support. And you know, it's about coming together as equal partners, sharing power to find solutions, and ultimately, you know, to drive and improve the quality of the lives of the guys we support. She has, she has really summed that up well.
0: Fab. Oh, I like that definition too, and. For people who don't know, we're an organisation with 11,000 colleagues and many are all across the country in Scotland, in England, in Wales, and including ourselves, who mostly work from home. Um, How do you ensure here that our co-production programmes are sort of cascaded down to service level?
1: Yeah, there's a couple of things here, really. So obviously, driving our personalisation culture is important to every single one of us in our organisation. Everyone at Lifeways, um, as part of their induction, receives personalization training. And I know that our co-production ambassadors, champions, and our quality checkers are out there day in, day out, um, promoting our values. Um, Workplace is also really, really helpful. So Workplace is our electronic communications platform, and it's absolutely instrumental in promoting and sharing all our co-production initiatives and resources. So on this platform, colleagues um, can not only access all the supporting tools and information They need to really drive co-production, but they also share the fantastic and powerful stories. Stories that, you know, if I've had a you know a difficult day, I bob onto workplace, and some of the stuff that I see around co-production and personalisation is really inspiring to me. And I know that it really inspires others to co-produce and personalise. But that's really the main way that we ensure personalisation and co-production in terms of our culture, updates what we're doing, is cascaded across the organisation.
0: Right. It always feels like, as a sector, we don't always often like to look back uh, at the past uh, too much. I mean, 20 to 30 years ago, the supported living sector was, of course, very different from how it is now. Um, how far have we come in terms of overall personalization and support?
1: You know, for me, the difference is absolutely night and day. Um 30 years. In fact, I'm coming up for my 33rd year this year. Um, I've been in this sector and I started off as a, as a, a young teenager in nursing homes for older people about the late eighties. And personally, I saw people move into service land and I call that service land. For me, it was that it didn't matter for these people who moved into the service. It didn't matter what they did prior to moving in or the status they held. Um, That didn't matter once you moved into the home. You were now in service land where you moved to the rhythm and pace of the service. This meant that, you know, I witnessed people having to get up and go to bed at a set time, eat the meals at a set time, even having to go to the toilet at a set time. You know, that's what good care and support looked like then. It's about caring for people, not supporting and doing with. Um, I didn't see people included in any of the planning or decision making in their day-to-day life choice wasn't promoted apart from apart from your menu that was about it for choice really um people were expected you know just to be a passive recipient of care really and you know it wasn't out of abuse or out of malice it was out of ignorance as in that's what good care and support looked like then but it was literally you know about ensuring the service ran smoothly not about the personal needs of the people you know that we cared for it was only really in my early 20s when I went working with people with learning disabilities. And for the first time, I received personalisation training and development, and it was a massive culture shift for me. It was a real light bulb moment because suddenly I was enabled to see people as individuals with their own hopes and aspirations, different preferences. And, you know, with the same rights and responsibilities as anyone else, they weren't patients, they were people. Um. Also, in terms of what I really think has driven personalization in the sector, I would also say regulation. And regulation does present some challenges for providers, but also, you know, regulating the sector. I think that was about 2004, is really driven up not only the quality of care and support, but as I say, the personalisation agenda. There was also some key guidance and legislation uh, which was introduced um, again you know to promote the personalization agenda so for example um, the 2007 paper putting people first and that was the first time where the government outlined its vision to improve adult social care by actually um, adopting the personalization agenda and then of course social care act in 2012 and that then gave commissioners a duty to promote the involvement of people in decisions relating to the care and support so for me you know, I know we still hear horror stories like Winterborne View and we hear things, you know, on panorama and the news, etc. But for me, we've come so far in the personalization landscape for the sector. So, yeah, for me, definitely, you know, the momentum has been massive. We can still do better, but you know, definitely move forward.
0: Right, that's interesting. I mean, and, and while we're on this topic of personalization and co-production, is there anything else that you feel just needs to be said that we may not have covered at this point in time?
1: Not really. But, you know, just for me, that personalization, I think I was doing some reflection on this when you asked me to do the podcast. And I think it's probably the key motivator that has kept me in the sector all these years. Um And, you know, I'm really proud to work for an organisation like Lifeways that is equally as committed to personalisation. You know, we're always continually learning, reflecting. Ultimately, you know, we're always trying to create that listening, learning culture around how can we do personalisation even better. We want to continually improve. And, you know, just ensure the people we support have great lives. What's
0: the general feedback and understanding uh, that you see from parents and family members of people we support uh, regarding personalization and co-production? How do they, ha- how do you see their their sort of reaction or response uh, to these initiatives?
1: Do you know, families and carers, they just want the best for the people they support. They know them really well. Um, you know, the people we support know their their care and support needs the best. And they just want tailored support that meets the needs you know the hopes aspirations of their loved one you know and and i think that's the expectation I, I again workplace you know we hear stories about families you know about the, the the great things you've said i look at the sat surveys that come back you know we run regular um engagement forums and surveys you know and on the whole Really, you know, the f- feedback's really, really positive. And do you know where it's not? Again, we listen, we learn, you know, we respond and we support people to get it right.
0: Great. And just as a note to our listeners, uh, Workplace is the sort of employee uh, in-house, uh, colleague in-house social media platform. It's actually originally owned by Facebook and it kind of works and looks an awful lot like Facebook, which is good because people, most people have Facebook and they know what to do. And it's really just a platform for people to, post and share uh, ideas, um, kind of memos and things that as a, as a company we need to know and, uh, and also just really good news stories. So you kind of see, and I don't know, I don't know if you've also noticed this, Jody. there's an awful lot, well, a good, really good amount of content on there nowadays, which people have posted up about co-production meetings and, and, and even just huge milestones in people's lives and small milestones in people's lives. It's a really positive space.
1: Paul, you know, you're not wrong, you know, and I'm I'm happy to share some of the examples if that's helpful. Yeah, definitely. Uh, So, for example, um, Jennifer, Richard and Kevin, they live over in um, Berwick and um, they recently joined our Quality Checkers Initiative. Not to labor the point, but it's an, um, an initiative where the people we support as experts by experience, they assess the quality and support of the care and support we provide. Um, and these guys uh, wanted to take that further and go and assess the care and support in other people's homes. Um, and they recently got together to design their own ID badges. It's brilliant. You know, we've been able to take their concept and, you know, um, work with our marketing team and get that looking really, really bob on in a way they wanted. Um, but that small, piece of work has actually meant that they've widened the network, they've made new friends and they gained, you know, further skills and purpose. Uh, Another example that I absolutely love is, um, Dan, who who lives over in, um, in New Biggin. Um, he recently used the person-centered thinking tool staff matching to think about things like personality skills and shared interests he wanted in his supporters. And he was matched with David, um, one of his support team, who also shares his passion for gardening. And they've really jumped big together. Um, Dan now has a thriving garden. He's growing his own produce avocados, would you believe? <laughs> um, but, but he's now making plans to develop a local piece of land into another growing area and get some of his co-tenants involved. Again, you know, widening his networks, friendship, skills and purpose. But um, the one that I was informed about, um, that I read on workplace a couple of weeks ago, I absolutely loved, was um, Kevin, who lives over in Burton. And um, He really wanted a Union Jack themed, you know, one of those massive reclining armchairs. But the dimensions of his, of the chair was too large for his room. And he couldn't find a Union Jack upholstered one to fit his room. But, you know, he worked with his supporters. Um, he didn't give up on his dream. Um, and they supported him to find this um, bespoke showroom that made things bespoke. And he's had um, a recliner chair. It's a little smaller, but it's been um, made especially to fit his room. Unfortunately, his um, budget didn't stretch to the Union Jack fabric, but he's still got a theme chair because he's bought Union Jack cushions, um, covers, and a throw. So you know, again, it just it doesn't have to be complicated. Listen to what you know people are telling us and asking us and act on it. It's as simple as that, really.
0: Yes, it sounds like you know keeping it simple. Obviously, is not a uh, not a not a Lifeways uh, slogan, um, but nevertheless uh, an appropriate one.
1: I think it's it, it starts with engagement doesn't it so and i think if you don't engage with people you don't solicit that feedback you don't listen to their stories around their experiences if you don't do the front bit you're not going to get the outcome of personalization and i think that's the mistake people are that entrenched in operations and delivering services that they forget to engage And listen and consult and co-produce and you can't have that end outcome which is the outcome the person wants you can't shape your organization to be personalized if you're not listening to the experiences of the people you're supporting and their hopes aspirations and needs so i think that's the mistake that's easy to make when you stop listening you're not you you can't personalize and co-produce and i would say that's maybe one of the biggest you know mistakes
0: Thank you for speaking to us, Jody. It's been really interesting to hear all about personalisation and co-production.
1: Oh, thank you, Paul. It's really great, you know, for me to um, not reignite that passion because I always, you know, cover it. And it's like, you know, one of my guiding principles. But just lovely to, you know, to be able to talk to you about the experiences within Lifeways and the sector. Really, thank you.
0: Absolutely. And thanks to you, the listener, for tuning in to this episode of Yes To You. We'll be releasing new episodes all about adult supported and residential living and the wider social care
1: sector every month. So if you haven't already, please do subscribe and see you next time.